Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, hey, guess who's back? That's right, it's me, Dr. Fuck. I'm back from the road. And I am here with, uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, beer. Boy, you know, I had a lot of beer on the road there, Ian. That's Ian Wadley, by the way, from New Orleans. Hello. He is number two on this show, the number two personality. Oh, wow, sir. Uh, you are correct, sir. I'm Ed McMahon, is that what you're saying? Gotta say, I want to say a shout out to my buddy, uh, Scott Stein from uh, Washington, D.C., who's a fan of the podcast, and he came out. Actually, he's a Hell fan. Yeah. He's a fan of the reviews, and then he just about like a lot. You gotta thank my YouTube reviews, Ian. Thank you. Because if it wasn't for my YouTube reviews, I don't think our podcast would be as big as it is. Because our, my YouTube reviews, hey, my YouTube reviews. Wasn't there an old show like that with uh, Henrietta Hippo and uh, the Owl, the Freddy the Frog? It's the YouTube review coming right at you. That may be a little too old school for you fuckers. There used to be a show called the New Zoo Review. Probably even too old for you, Ian. You don't remember that, do you? Correct, sir. <laughs> All right. Ian doesn't know anything now. He's drunk. You know, this is going to be a good episode. Uh, but before we get into the episode, there have been people online wanting to know how my tour went. And I gotta tell you, the tour was exceptional. Atlanta was great, Delaware was great, um, Washington DC was phenomenal, probably my favorite one. Virginia was great. Where else did we play? Rhode Island. Um, they were all great shows. I had a great time. I partied a lot. And, um, and, but I gotta say, uh, Rhode Island, we drove straight to Miami from Rhode Island. And it was 32 hours of fucking hell. And that's the only part I hated about it. But other than that, you know, we got to debut a couple new songs on the road. I mean, I did it special where I debuted new songs at each town. So, you know, like, Delaware, God, I Thrash on Your Grave, my favorite song from the new album first. And Metal Massacre was played and Internet Metalhead and stuff like that. And we even made up some songs. I thrash your eyes that way. And uh, I want to say a special shout out to Scott Stein from Washington, D.C., who's a fan of the podcast and the thing. And he came out and hanged out with us, even at dinner with us. And he's a fucking straight up cool guy, bro. Good, good hanging out with the guy. And he stayed to the very end. And he enjoyed himself as he should because we are Thrash to Die. And we are the greatest band on the planet. Hi, Yes, sir. And uh, that's it. That's my my story on the Thrasher Die tour, where the next tour will be in Europe next year. I don't know if I said this in a past episode, but Thrasher Die is going to Europe. And but we're also playing New York October 17th, I believe, uh, with Razor and Morbid Saint and October 31, a bunch of killer bands. Uh, Paralysis. We're playing. Uh, the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn, which we have played there before, and that bar fucking rules. Total metal bar. You go in, there's the fucking original 
Nuns have no funny pee on the wall. Come on, how cool is that? And then we're headlining a festival in Puerto Rico on October 31st, which is Halloween. And it is also my brother's birthday. And he's going to fly to New York, uh, Puerto Rico and celebrate his birthday with Thrasher Guy. There ain't, no, uh, there ain't no better way to celebrate your birthday with Thrasher Guy or just hanging out with Ian and those Kotexes hanging on the wall. On the Hello. Roof. So... <laughs> Uh, I gotta say I had a great time I loved it I loved every time we played I loved everybody that came out it was an experience and god I love being in a band and I love touring man I wish I was still out there I'm like a I'm like a road dog I really am I love being on the road even though this was a piece of shit you know two week tour but you know even before I was in a band I took road trips to California and stuff and I loved it and this is even better because now I take road trips stop thrash to that town and then keep going to the next town and thrash you know I mean, come on how cool is it that people pay us to go to their town and thrash yes so that's it that is my thrasher die story my friend so before we get into our show this week uh we're finally going to do some news it's been a few weeks since we've done news because I, I haven't been around so now we get to do some news so what do we got ian well, before we get to the news, uh, I want to thank everybody for letting me know that there was an issue with the Blue Oyster Cult Secret Treaties episode. Uh, I don't know what the problem was. Every other episode was working except for this one, and a lot of people wanted to hear it, and I think that's great because I think it was an awesome episode. Uh, so I reposted it, and the numbers went through the roof on Podbean, on iTunes, and uh that's killer, man. I'm glad you all enjoyed that episode, whether it was for the first time or you checked it out again. And I want to encourage you all to check out all the past episodes because they're all amazing. All of them. Yes. Even the ones that suck are good. I mean, awesome. But uh, I want to thank everybody for checking that out. And thanks for bringing it to my attention. <laughs> And in the future, if there's ever any more issues, like, hey, I can't download this episode, let me know. And I'll do whatever I got to do so you could hear, uh, you know, Lord King Ralph and, uh, and uh, number two. So, uh, you know, you without... Know, and I also want to say, though, it might not happen. And I haven't even discussed this to Ian. Oh, shit. But, but you know, if you want to hear those really early episodes when we had a, a third co-host, which I have no problem with. I have no problem with the guy. Me and him get along. I'm not saying this anything negative about the guy, but it has crossed my mind that we should delete those episodes. Not because anything against him, but I really do think that our show is so different than what it was that it might throw people off. What do you think, Ian? Should we delete those episodes? Oh, boy, I got uh, I got uh, mixed emotions on that one. Well, I'll, I'll sleep on it, but sleep on it sober. Okay, bye. Well, yeah, yeah, bad chance. hi uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's some of those episodes I really enjoy. We can some are like them. nails on a chalkboard. We can redo but, them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, there you go. If, uh, if you like any of those episodes with uh with the Fuhrer. Uh go ahead and download them now cause Yeah, cuz we might we might get rid of them. They they might be collectors items. And I just want to so, let you know that I have been invited to do his show. Oh, okay. So, right. I don't know. I, I thought I'd throw I'd run by 
uh, for you first. Should I do it, Ian? Uh, well, ah, it doesn't matter what you think. I'll do it. Hey, I'm my own person. You are not the boss of me. Thank you. You are, you are correct, sir. So what do we have? Uh, what what, what, right. what do we have in the news? Uh, did you see Jolyn Turner's rant on the United States of America and his desire to leave? Wait, Jolyn Turner's been bashing the United States of America? Yes, Jolyn Turner was in Russia. Fucking he, last job. He, he, play, he plays Russia more than you play South Florida. Uh, he was on tour over there and discussed how much he has an admiration for Putin... Vladimir Putin, that is, and uh, and his leadership, and wishes America was like Russia. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, said he's lost all faith in America. He pretty much hates America. Right. It's not the country his father fought for, and he's seriously considering leaving the United States. Uh, you know, because it's much better. You know, Russia is much better than the U.S. Well, I, I will say this in, in, in uh, defense of Joe. Uh, if Joe really does stick to his guns and leaves, I have nothing but respect for the guy. It's the people that badmouth this country and that stay here. Those people are fucking pathetic. They're like, they're, like pe they're like people that live with their parents and complain about their parents saying that you gotta clean your room, you know? It's like, leave your parents' house if you don't like living with them. And if you don't like America, leave. So if Jolyn Turner packs up and leaves, I'll have a lot of respect for the guy. I would, You know, you can hate America all you want. But if you live in America, like Rage Against the Machine, and, you know, Rage Against the Machine, by the way, was signed to Epic Records, you know, where they were getting capitalistic money and they, they support people like Che, the people that are anti-American, anti-capitalist, I have no respect for Rage Against the Machine. I'm sorry. If you hate America, leave the fucking country. But you won't leave the country. You know why? Because deep down you know that living in other countries is worse than America. Because I can walk outside right now and say fuck Obama and go on my merry way. Try doing that in Russia. Whoever the fuck's president. Go over there and yell that you hate him. See what happens. Rage against the machine. Poo! Pooey! And look, look, I know there's going to be a lot of people that don't agree with me. Because, you know, there are just people that, you know, sympathize with Che and all this shit. But you know what, man? I'm not here to, to get political. I'm just here to give you some basic facts. If you don't like this country, why the fuck are you here? Now, I know why you're here. You're here because you're afraid to live in other countries, but yet you won't say that. You take this country for granted. I want everybody to leave this country and go to your little commie countries and then tell me how bad America is. Thank you very much. What else is in the news? Another thing that's been sparking the interweb, everybody's going crazy about one way or the other, is the new Iron Maiden single, Speed of Light. Blah. Uh, could you repeat that? Well, you know that I get a lot of shit from you and a lot of people that I'm like this Iron Maiden hater because all, Correct, I, all I like is stuff from Power Slave Down, which is true. But I did hear this song and I got, you know, I was like, you know, this song is really like whatever. But 
at least it didn't make me cringe like El Dorado and you know uh, whatever the Rainmaker and whatever the fuck you know or, or Running Free I mean uh, um, Running Wild I mean uh, 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 the Wicker Man I get I get that confused since they blatantly ripped off Judas Priest Running Wild and the Wicker Man but uh, it's better than Quest for Fire there. I said something positive. It's better than a song from from uh, Peace of Mind. It's better than Ganglines. It's uh, better than Invaders. Oh, how do you like those apples? See, I'm not that bad, am I? I oh. But I really, uh, I really do hate those songs that just compared it to. But still, I mean, I've heard worse from Made It. It gives me a glimmer of hope that maybe this double album. We'll have some gems on it, maybe. And I'm hoping so, because I noticed that Steve Harris is not all over the song credits. Where Steve Harris is probably a big part to blame for boring the hell out of me since somewhere in time. Which, by the way, let me say this. I know I'm dragging on a bit. Well, uh, I've been a hater of somewhere in time for a long time. But recently, because I'm... Drag, drag on, I'm going to piss. All right. You're taking yeah, I know. I'm, I'm annoying Ian, and I love it. But um, uh, Iron Maiden, somewhere in time, when it first came out, I got really upset. I hated it. But recently, my guitar player, Ryan Taylor, he spent the night at my house, and he kept going on about loneliness of the long-distance runner. And I was like, ugh, that's garbage. That's what I remembered it being. But, you know, I have somewhere in time a vinyl. He's like, dude, play it. So I played it. And I actually liked it. I think it's, I, I, I changed my mind. I think that's a good song. Loneliness of a Long Distance Runner is a good song. I listen to the rest of the album and I still feel the same way with Sea of Madness and all that crap. But I like Loneliness of a Long Distance Runner, Deja Vu, Alexander the Great, and the music of Wasted Years. I like those songs, but the rest is whatever. So, I don't know if you have anything to say about it, Piss Boy. Oh yes, I got plenty to say about it. Uh... Did you like it? I, uh, at first, I was kind of indifferent. Uh, on repeat listens, I enjoyed it more. Uh, I couldn't tell by uh, the post you wrote. I couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic or not. That if you thought it was better or worse than El Dorado, I, uh, oh, I'm glad. Better. I'm glad you think it's better because I thought El Dorado was horrible. Yeah, me too. And uh, and I like it better than El Dorado. I mean, is it '80s Maiden? No. Uh, but I, I, I did enjoy the song, and a lot of people are divided on the video. I enjoyed the video. Oh, the video was horrendous, but I'm not into video games, so I can understand how some people would like it. I, I just felt like it was a waste of time. I, I'm, I'm not into video games either, but, you know, at this point, uh, you know, with videos this day and age, you know, record companies are going to pay a lot for them to do some big production video. Um, and I thought it was fun for what it was. I mean... If you're a Maiden fan, there was a lot of, like, you know, past Maiden stuff in there. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was fine. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm real skeptic of the album. The reviews sound good, but then I heard, like, you know, people hailed uh, Final Frontier as a masterpiece. Wait, wait, let me ask you a question. Is the album out already? No, I haven't heard a leak. Uh, some journalists have heard it. Uh, an Italian journalist... Already did a review on it. I believe Metal Hammer 
uh, the latest issue with with an amazing Eddie cover, uh, which should be the cover of the album. Uh, they've heard it and reviewed it and gave it a remarkable review. You know, here in Florida, at Nico's Rib Joint, he debuted yeah. it there too. Yeah, I would yeah. I would have went because but I was on the road and I love rock and roll ribs. That that already happened though. I think it did. I'm pretty sure oh, it did. Okay. If not, then I'm going. I'm okay. I, I would like to go listen to the new Maiden at the at the rib joint. I would love to because I I love right. that the ribs there are awesome. All right, well you got to hook up with Steve Kirsch because I think he's going. You know, but uh, you know he's probably going to make you pick up the check because he's cheap. That's fine, man. I'm loaded. I got a lot of money, man. I'm a rock star. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But uh, yeah, not a bad song. Not the best shit I ever heard. Uh, but uh, Mystic Man, I'm I'm hoping for the best, dude. You know. But uh, here's something that really let me down, and I put it off for a long time just because I song described uh, by the author, and I heard fans talk about it, and man, just nothing sounded good about it. But you went off on a small rant, and I was like, well, you know what? Fuck it. Now I got to listen to it. And it was the new single, Runaway, by Wasp. Woo! Was that shit-tastic. Oh! It's, so, like, it's so Bon Jovi. Uh, it, was, it was really depressing. I mean, Wasp is a band that I really... I, I love 80s Wasp so much. Uh... But the last one that I really, really about was was Headless Children. A lot of people think Crimson Idol is some masterpiece. I think it is the one of the two rip-off piece of shits I've ever heard. I I, I think it's a terrible album. You know, I like but, I like some songs on it, especially the, like the mellower tunes. Like Hold On to My Heart, I think is a great song. Gypsy Meets the Boy is a great song. But as far as a solid album, yes, I agree with you. Headless Children is the last solid album the album after um uh, had, uh crimson idol was called still not black enough or something like that I, there's a couple songs yeah. on there i fucking love man i love uh that that did nothing i like kill fuck die better than that shit. i i that one's garbage come on that was garbage that was horrible that was just his attempt to be industrial and marilyn manson like it was a total sellout album Oh, uh, no, no, I, I agree, but I like the songs better uh, overall. But, I mean, it was an obvious sellout, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was funny. Uh, during that time, Blackie announced that him and Marilyn Manson were going to do a remake of Animal. And and Marilyn Manson, like, distanced himself from it so fast. He's like, no, 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 no. Because he knew what Blackie was doing. Blackie was trying to grab onto his coattails because at the time... Manson was blowing up and Blackie was nothing and Manson wisely stepped away from it um, and Blackie tried I, his best to be the most shocking in that tour he had a nun tied up and he fucked her with a knife right you know and, I mean at least Chris Holmes was back but then it's funny because like after that they tried to recreate like the sex drug craze wasp with Hel Dorado and it was just, it was horrible. Horrible album. Dem- De- what is it? Desolation Angel was a good song. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, it, it's so forgettable, but I was so happy. I was like, oh, good, they're going to go back to just being Wasp. And I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody try so hard to be what they used to be since I heard Sonic Boom and Monster. You know, it was just like a, a, oh, yeah. a, a painful 
like trying to recreate the past and it wasn't there man it wasn't i remember there. those albums afterwards uh, like dying in a new world that is song uh, I, dying I, for the world i actually didn't mind i i thought there was song there was a song on there that was identical to i want to be somebody and then the next album had a song that was identical to love machine it was like just different lyrics it was pretty pathetic i oh. i just and neon gods was a waste of time oh that was terrible that was ter- i saw him, that's the tour you know we both saw him on that tour but uh yeah it was horrible but uh, it's a it's a shame because man you know from the first album through headless cross i i love even though a lot of people bag on uh inside the electric yeah I, I do i'm one of them I, I still love it, but uh, I'm one of them. And you know, Last Command, we already reviewed it. You know what? I, how I feel about that? Half right. good, half whatever. To me, the first album and Headless Children are their best albums. But I got news, Ian. I forgot to bring up a very, very, extremely important part of my tour. Was there was a ba- my bass player's buddy put us up in a nice hotel in in New York, and not only that, bought us all tickets to go see Dave Lombardo. And it was so fucking unreal because I'm two feet away from Dave Lombardo and he it was that band film whatever it is god it was fucking awesome I'm watching Dave Lombardo did like signature Slayer you know uh, fills and the little Angel of Death drum solo the little double bass thing but I I also want to say that the first album I mean the first band that opened was a band called uh, Owl and I was very impressed by this band now the the bass player singer of Owl is now an Ace Freely, and I spoke to him, and turns out he told me he was he was in the Cult for ten years, and you like that band, right? Yeah, not bad. I mean, I'm a casual fan, not a right, well, swinger, but and, a casual I, fan. I bought their CD, and it was all right. I mean, I thought they were phenomenal live. So yeah, I just wanted to bring up, and I met Dave Lombardo, a fellow Cuban, super nice guy. He was super cool, and it was. Great talking to him, and I just wanted to bring up that man. If Dave Lombardo comes to your town, you got to see his band. They're tight, but I mean, Dave Lombardo's drum set is all the way in the front of the stage. The guitar player's on his side, you know. The bass player—it's a three-piece, so like they're all up front. And Dave Lombardo was just amazing. I'm—I'm I'm sitting right there, like literally two feet from him. You know, I'm sitting on the stage watching him, and it was just the shit. So I just wanted to bring that up in the news. Dave Lombardo's film. Go check him out live. All right. Is that all we have for the news, Ian? Yeah, that's all we got for news. What do you say we get into our top 20 favorite live albums of all time? Go, Ian. What's your number 20? Oh, my number 20 is from the 80s. From 1988, it's Doc and Beast in the East. And, uh, man, I just I think it's a great live album. Uh, George Lynch sounds amazing. Don Dockin can still sing. And I think this album holds up. What do you think? I think it's garbage. It's very okay. unforgettable, but I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard it in so long, so maybe I should pop in my CD that has the omitted track, whatever it is, yeah, Standing in the Shadows or whatever it was. So I'll listen to it. You know, I might even have it on vinyl. I have to check. Anyway, nice. anyway my, t- my number 20 is, God, it, I'm ashamed to say it's all the way at the bottom because it's such a phenomenal album, but... There's so many great live albums that I had to put over this one, and I feel really bad because this is a phenomenal album from 1979. Pat Travers, Go For What You Know. Ooh, nice. That album is flawless. I think it's our buddy Ruben Delarosa's favorite live album. I love that guy so, and that album. So hopefully he won't listen to this episode because he'll probably get upset with me. Pat Travers, very underrated. 
What's your 19? Ah, uh, number 19 is Wasp, live in the raw. Now, this is one where a lot of people say, you know, done in the studio and stuff. But I love it. I love the song selection. There was new songs that, that you know, were made just for the record. And uh, and I dig it. And it's got Scream Till You Like It. Total, uh, I'm a Wasp nut swinger of that era of 80s Wasp. I love it. What do you think? Uh, it, it, you know what? Other than the live, uh, the new songs, it's kind of forgettable. But I did like Carter Fassler and Manimal. I thought they were both great songs. <laughs> the son of Animal. Yeah. The Manimal. And and speaking of 80s live album, Manimal 19 is uh, something that was released in the 90s, but it was recorded in the 70s. I mean, in the 80s. Oh, uh, I know this one. Yes, Twisted Sister live at Hammersmith. And I know in past episodes I've praised this album. And I love this album. This may be the only album that I know of that is not touched up. Because, let me tell you, all my albums are touched up. I, I believe. Maybe not all, but um, this one doesn't sound touched up at all. And it's so fiery. And I like these songs more than the studio versions. Twisted Sister Live at Hammersmith is my 19. I, I love that one. Uh... Man, I remember that came out like in 94. Like, Twisted Sister couldn't have been more uncool. Yeah. But I, I still bought it. I loved it. And I love when he goes off on that rant about, uh, uh, look at this, just because you got an Iron Maiden t-shirt, don't think we don't know you're a new kid. <laughs> you know, I yeah. love that. Now, how about, how about the part where he made the crowd promise? He goes, repeat after me. I promise. And you hear that British actor like, I promise I will not mess with the cameraman. I will not mess with the cameraman. I will not hit the cameraman. I will not hit the cameraman. I will not fuck the cameraman. Just too fucking funny. It, it's so easy a trained dog could do it, baby. It's, I love the stage rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, so what's your 18? All right. My number 18 is one that just fucking came out. And has, man, been dragged through the mud. But I fucking love it. And that's Van Halen live from the Tokyo Dome. And, uh... You know, there's some songs that are better than others. There's some miscues, but it's live, and you get that feeling that you're at a live... Live album doesn't have to be perfect. If you want perfect, listen to the studio. But, man, when I put on this album, I feel like I'm at a Van Halen concert. The song selection is awesome, and you just feel the fun coming through the speakers. I fucking love this album. Uh, my opinion on this album is that it kind of starts off a little rocky, but it gets better and better as it goes on. I really love Romeo's Delight. I think Dave sounds great on it. Dave gets bashed a lot for being a bad singer, but man, people, you know, you listen to Running With The Devil, he's basically talking his way through it. It's just so many people, it just tainted the whole live album. Somebody should just sit there and with open ears, because believe me, I'm guilty of this. I heard this album for the first time, I hated it, because it started off so rocky, but now I listen to it and like Romeo's Delight and Everybody Wants Some and stuff like that is... Dave sounds great, and the band's on fire, and this is a 100% live album that I actually do like. They're, it's rare. It didn't make my top 20, but still, it's rare, and it's good, and I'm glad it was released. My 18 is uh, from Alcatraz. They had a live album called Live Sentence. Uh, I think this one may be 100% live. If it is, then they are extremely tight. I think it's a great live album, uh, especially the song Evil Eye, that... Ended up being on Ingve Malmsteen's Rising Force, his debut instrumental album. That had two songs with vocals. 
Uh, live Sentence. I don't even know if you know that album. Uh, uh, I, I haven't. I don't think I ever listened to Is it Ingve or is it Steve Vai who's playing it's, on? it's Ingve. Okay, but Graham Bonnet's still singing? Well, Graham Bonnet's uh, been on every Alcatraz release. Yeah, I, know. I was just hoping you'd tell me something different. All right, what's your 17? All right, my number 17 is a, probably, I've heard this live album, it's number two for most times I've ever heard, uh, part of my childhood. That's Bob Seger, Nine Tonight. Being a Midwest kid, you, you grew up on Bob Seger, you love Bob Seger, and I, you know, a lot of people live Bullet, and Live Bullet is great. But I'm not saying best, I'm saying favorite live albums. And Bob Seger, Nine Tonight is fucking incredible. I dig it. I don't, I don't know Nine Tonight, but I do own Live Bullet, and I just recently bought it at a record convention I went to, and God, what a great album. Beautiful Loser is like my favorite song on there. Such a great, there's a great atmosphere to Live Bullet, but I have no opinion on the one you're talking about because I never heard it. Well, well what is, it's kind of like a Live 1 and Live 2. Nine Tonight is all the songs that came out after right, Live Bullet. Right, right, right. And, uh, and, and I, I still dig it. Does it have Strut? Oh, yeah. I love that song. Oh, amazing. All right, I saw him on that tour, by the way, uh, against, never, against the Wind Tour. Uh, I've never seen Bob Seger. I saw Bob Seger against the Wind Tour at the Miami Baseball Stadium. He headlined it. Opening act, I believe that was the one with Molly Hatchet. Nice, nice lineup. Yeah, and I can't remember who else. I think Brian Adams was on it. I'm really foggy because I went to a lot of these baseball uh, stadium shows, which, by the way, uh, which goes to my next live album. But this goes way back to the 70s. When I saw him, it was at the baseball stadium in 81 when they were at the height of their career. And that is Ario Speedwagon. Yes, I know a lot of people are gagging now, but you all should... T- let me let me teach you all something and take the time to listen to Ario Speedwagon's You Get What You Play For, released in 1977 when Ario Speedwagon was not a power ballad band, when they were a hard-working, hard-rock band. You will be hooked even from track one, like you do. They were so phenomenal on Golden Country and uh, being hurt uh, can hurt someone sometimes and keep pushing. I mean, it's a great album. 157 Riverside Avenue where Gary and and, uh, and Kevin go back and forth on vocals on guitars. It's just a great, great live album. One of my favorites. Should be in my top ten. But God damn it, there's so many better albums. Up. But it is a phenomenal album. Every one of my top 20, I consider it a solid ten. What do you, you, you don't even know this album, right? Well, 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 well what, I, what I gotta say, I, I do have to talk about this album because my buddy Bo Handy, the guy that turned me on to like more of the extreme metal, he was very influential in, in what I listened to. His dad was the original bass player for REO Speed. No way! Glenn yes. Philbin? This is a, a true story. No, uh, the original, before before they put out a record. They, oh. were, a co- they were a college band. Yes, I know this, I know this. Southern Illinois. Well, he quit the band to stay in college because he's like, well, chances are we're not going to make it. I got to get a degree. So he left. And it's so funny because my friend Bo is like the biggest, like hardcore, like he listens to way harder shit than me. And he hates REO Speedwagon. And he hates the fact that when you when we walk into his house, there's pictures of him with Kevin Cronin all over the place. Like, and Kevin Cronin got him and his dad tickets to go see Kiss on the Dynasty Tour and got him like killer fucking seats and backstage because he was Kevin Cronin. Hmm. And his dad still remained friends with him, you know, and his, 
I think his dad uh, ended up selling like herbal medicine or whatever. <laughs> that's what he did for a living. But he was the original bass player for REO. Well, that's funny because I mean, I must uh, he must have kept in touch with the guys because Kevin yeah. Cronin didn't show up till the second album. He's not the original singer. Right, right. No, but he stayed friends with everybody in the band. Yeah. I love this album. You don't know this album, right? Fuck no. You should I give it, it a chance. You should give it a chance. Yeah, you hate Ario Speedwagon because of the, you know, the pop shit. Like, I don't know. Like, like, like. Let's say you only heard Boys Are Back in Town. You're like, ah, oh, fuck them. You know what right, I mean? No, no, I like riding the storm out. So maybe there I'll you go. Chance. Riding the storm out is right there. The vibe of that whole album. Yeah, I, I I know the live version of that, and it's a great song. Yeah, so that's that. on. Yeah, that's on there. Okay. All right. I'll what's your it. What's your uh, what, Where are we at? You're 16 now. My number 16 is a band that is criminally un- underrated, and that is Humble Pie. And this is the last album they did with uh, Peter mm-hmm. Frampton. Right. And it's called Rockin' at the Fillmore, and it is just unabashed rhythm and blues, 70s rock and roll. Great live album. The fucking uh, I Don't Need No Doctor, which Wasp covered, did a great job, but nothing will ever come close to touching the live version on this album. The whole album is great. If you don't know Humble Pie, check them out because that's some good ass shit. Do you know Humble Pie, Ralph? No, and send me that album because I want to be familiar. I know that Steve Marriott is an amazing singer. I've heard some Humble Pie, oh, yeah. but I've never really, like, dwelled. So, and I would love to hear that because a lot, you know, it's a 70s album, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 70s live albums, you know, nine times out of ten, they're awesome. So, send it my way. Maybe that'll get me really into Humble Pie. Will do, brother. Okay, so my 16 is the second 80s live album from the three, I believe, I have on here. It is Ozzy Speak of the Devil. Oh, I love this album. I know this shit's touched up because I have some, uh, uh, on YouTube, you can hear the real recording, audience recording, and Ozzy sounds like ass, but he sounds so good on this one because he went in the studio and I guess he didn't smoke that day or something. Because he sounds phenomenal. The band sounds phenomenal. It's hard to believe. The band only had, I, I believe it was like two weeks. Two to three weeks to learn all these songs. With the exception of the three they've been playing on the tours. And they just nail it. It's so fucking awesome. I love Speak of the Devil. Uh, what do you think of that album? Uh, I dig it, man. All right. That's, that's a good one. What's your 15? All right. Funny you should say that. My number 15 is Ozzy Speak of the Devil. All right, let's go to 14. Oh, well, well, hold on. I, I want to I say a little something about it. Um, I had this one before I had a lot of the Sabbath collection. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, can I say something before you say it? Because okay. I know I know a couple of my friends did too, and, they're, and they think these versions are better than the Sabbath version. Are you, do you fall into the category? That category? Oh, no. No, 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 okay, no, no, okay. no, no, no. No, at the time though, I loved songs like I didn't have Sabotage, so I didn't know Symptom of the Universe. I didn't have Never Say Die, so I didn't know that. And uh, and that was, you know, me getting turned on to that. I mean, I had Volume 4. Oh, okay, had- okay. No, no, I, I'm talking about my friends that never heard the right. original Sabbath song. Let's right. Except for the hits, you know. Right, no, and it's weird going back and listening now because I'm like, oh, fuck, that's not Tony Iommi. But before I heard the originals, I still got the magic of these songs, and I love it. I think Brad Gillis did a, a great job and deserves a lot of respect. Yes. And and, and I look and thanks to this album, I went back and picked up the rest of the Sabbath that I didn't know. Of course, now I love the original versions a thousand times more. But uh, he did his own take on it, and I respect it. And I think it's an incredible live album. 
love Speak of the Devil. Uh, my 15 is probably the only one from the 60s on here, and it's a phenomenal album. I can never get enough of Band of Gypsies from Jimi Hendrix. Nice. Almost that, made my list. That album is just, oh my, it's probably Jimi's most intense playing, Machine Gun. Oh yeah. It's just the vibe of that album, and that may be a 100% live album, I'm not sure. But Band of Gypsies is my 15. Absolutely amazing album. Buddy Cox on drums. Oh my, I mean, uh, Buddy Miles on drums. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, Ronnie Cox, I mean, uh, Billy Cox. Yeah, on bass. On, on bass. Amazing. Amazing album. Uh, just, just missed my top 20. And th- this is one of those ones where I made the list, and I know it, it's not like I'm going to change my opinion, but, you know, you come up with a list, and then you're going to think back later, like, oh, why did I put that on That's there? That's why, let me tell you something. Mine was painstaking. I had, like, a, a list of 50, yeah. <laughs> really, and I just didn't want to, you know, because there's a lot of things that didn't make my list that I, we should talk about it if we remember. Right, you know, and, and this is definitely one, like, in hindsight, okay, I should take off docking <laughs> and put on Band of Gypsies. Right. Uh, because I absolutely love this album. It's amazing. If, if you love Hendrix, you love this fucking yeah, album. It's great. Uh, and it's awesome because it's all new songs. It's yes. not. It's not a live album with uh, previous studio recordings. You know? Yeah, yeah, they did. I believe it was a New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve, and a New Year's Day concert. There's also a Band of Gypsies two that wasn't released in the states. All right, uh, I gotta it was look at that. Released overseas, yeah. and it's other recorded because it was two different shows. He did New Year's Eve, and then he did the next night on on New Year's Day. All but right, uh, cool. um, amazing shit. All right, my number fourteen. Uh, which is held as one of the greatest of all time. And I absolutely love this. This is a band on fire. This is Deep Purple, made in Japan. Uh, just phenomenal. This band, I mean, this is at the peak of the Mach 2 lineup. And man, uh, you know, Blackmore and fucking John Lord, Ian Pace, Roger Glover, Ian Gillen, we're all firing on all cylinders. It's just amazing, amazing live album that a lot of uh, live albums are held up to this, uh, you know, and I love it. Number 14, Made in Japan. What do you think? Yeah, I, I um, unfortunately, if I was to put a top 21 list, it would have made 21 because it tops all the albums that I didn't make my list. I love Made in Japan. It was really hard leaving it off my list, but... Uh, all these albums I like more, man. I mean, I think the only thing that kept it off my list was sometimes it got a little jammy, which I don't mind. I love Made in Japan. Don't get me wrong. I like it more than Made in Europe, and I love Made in Europe. Yeah, oh, that's a great one, too. That's a great one, too. But, you know, I, I the, the, unfortunately, it didn't make my list. Um, my 14 is Kiss Alive 2. Um, nice. It should be higher, but you want to talk about a fake live album that's awesome? You know that Kiss never played Tomorrow and Tonight or Hard Luck Woman ever live. Well, at least at that time. But it's on there. <laughs> and, you you know, I mean, this is... We shouldn't count Side 4 because it's not live. But goddamn, Side 4 rules. But, I love it. But as far as live, man, Kiss, that fucking opening with uh, Detroit and King of the Nighttime World, it's like a one-two punch. It's so good. It's so fucking amazing. And I want to also say, I want you on there. If you listen to the video version of the Tokyo, when they play Budokan, that is 
listen to that and then listen to Kiss Alive 2. That's the same version, but touched up in the studio. But you do hear little, you know, parts of that song in Kiss Alive 2. What do you think of Kiss Alive 2? Oh, I absolutely fucking love it. You know, I go back and forth a lot of times, which I like, but initially I was more into two than I was one uh, because of the songs and stuff. But but now I'm more about the rawness of what, even though I shouldn't say rawness, but uh, but uh, no, Alive, Alive 2 is amazing. And I love Side 4 as well. I love every song on Side 4. A lot of people are like, uh, they don't like the Dave Clark 5 song. I do, I do. I fucking love it. I, I love every fact, song I think the Josh Carlson five should cover the Dave Clark's five. Hey, they were pretty good, man. I got a hey, applaud oh. Josh Carlson. I was oh, very Josh imp- Carlson. Happy birthday, by the way. He Happy just turned birthday. 18. Yeah, and his band was pretty damn cool. I saw the video. I liked it. Yeah, he's the only 18-year-old virgin I know. Big up to Josh Carlson. What's your number 13? All right, my number 13. Uh, this is the only one that I changed after the fact. Originally, it was Slayer Decade of Aggression. And at the last minute, I changed it. While I still love that album, I ended up going with Pantera, 101 Proof. Uh, just an incredible live album, man. And if you saw Pantera during that era, hey, that rhymes. Amazing. Uh, Philip Anselmo was the heir apparent to David Lee Roth and Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Robert Plant, as, as just an incredible frontman that nobody can touch. He's got a lot of haters, but fuck him. That man has charisma and can hold the audience in the palm of his fucking hand. And uh, so glad, you know, we're coming up on the anniversary of uh, Dimebag's birthday and stuff. And, uh, man, Pantera at that time just could not be touched. An incredible live band, a great live album. I wish it was a double album, uh, but it was a single. They had a couple new songs, but still, you could feel the magic and Dimebag, who I think it was the heir apparent to Eddie Van Halen, and I don't think anybody's evolved guitars since uh, Dimebag. Love it. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I agree with you 100% on everything you said about Pantera, especially the Phil Anselmo part, where my my three favorite frontmen are Dee Snyder, David Lee Roth, and Phil Anselmo, and all three of them can't be any more different than each other. Where Phil Anselmo, it's more like his aura makes him one of my favorite frontmen. Where D. Snyder is just hilarious, and Dave, I'm talking about classic David Lee Roth. Unfortunately, not anymore. But back back in the '80s, nobody can. He he was the best of the three. But I agree. Now, as far as this album, you know, I have to blame myself for this because I don't really listen to live albums after the '70s, with the exceptions of the ones you're gonna I'm gonna mention. But I haven't heard it enough. I own it, um, but I haven't heard it enough. To, to really pass the judgment, so yeah, I can't I can't say what I feel about it or not. You know, if I knew this was on your list, maybe I would have listened to it and given you more. You know, who knows? It might have made my top twenty. Who knows? But anyway, going into my thirteen, this uh, this band is considered kind of a joke, uh, or not really a joke, but well, yeah, they're like a brunt of a joke. Not really heard, not really talked about. But this album is so good. It's one of my favorite. I can't believe it's not in my top 10. That's why there's so many great top 10 albums. But my 13 is Fog Hat Live. Woo! I love this fucking album. I just want to make love to you. Oh, my God. Lonesome Dave, bro. That album. Incredible. From beginning to end, solid. One album. 
right to the point. I love the packaging of it. It's a phenomenal live album that everybody should fucking everybody that thinks Foghead's a joke, go listen to that album so then you can feel like a you can feel like the joke. Okay? Because Foghead fucking rules and that live album fucking owns. You know that album? Oh fuck yeah. And this is a prime example of fuck, I wish I would have thought of this, because here's another one that would have knocked Dockin' off. Uh Foghat is fucking amazing. If you love like just true blue, blue collar fucking rock and roll, Foghat is amazing. And they have so many more songs than just what you hear on the radio. They were an amazing live band. I saw them a few years ago, of course, without Lonesome Dave, and they were still fucking incredible. I think they have Brian Howe as their singer now, who was a no, bad company for a while. Well, when I saw him, it was a guy that did sing for Ted Nugent, but I, it wasn't Brian oh, Howe. you're right. It's not Brian Howe. It's Charlie Hunter or whatever. Well, he played, I think he sang on Predator. Could I be wrong? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. But uh, still, it was an amazing show. I saw him. I saw him for free over here. I, I saw it was uh you want to talk about a lineup? It was Christopher Cross, Foghat, and Blue Oyster Cult. Oh wow! You know what's funny is ours was Foghat, and then the next day it was no, it was Foghat and Blue Oyster Cult. And what's funny about that was I saw Fog, I saw Lonesome Dave, I saw Blue Oyster Cult, and Foghat open for him at the Hollywood Sports Tour in 1981, where MTV was there and filmed it, and you could see that on YouTube. And I was nice. at that fucking show. So I did nice. I did get to see Lonesome Dave once. And yeah, this this scab band, I really do say go out and watch it because they're fucking great. I think oh, yeah. the only member, original member, is a drummer, I think. Yes, Roger Earl. Roger Earl. But that bass player they got is fucking awesome. You know, and, and, a, and a former pick of the week was Savoy Brown's Looking In, which... Everybody quits Savoy Brown, but the guitar player, they got another guitar player and became Foghat. Ah. And, uh, but uh, yeah, Foghat, check out Savoy Brown. If you like Foghat, check out Savoy Brown looking in. But uh, Foghat is amazing and, and just great 70s rhythm and blues rock and roll. Ralph, that was an incredible pick. And I got to tell you, man, anybody that wants to get into Foghat, start with Foghat Live. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Great fucking Pick. Hell yeah! Great. What's your what's your uh, twelve? All right, my number twelve, and this is why I'm be quite honest. This week was the first week I've ever heard this album all the way through, and it's considered a classic, one of the best albums of all time. <clears throat> Sorry, live albums. And uh, now I see all the praise, and that is Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous. I've really, really got huge into Thin Lizzy over the last couple years. But uh, for some reason, I was more in the studio albums, but I just checked this out. Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous, what a fucking album. This is one they say is like very touched up in the studio. I don't give a fuck. There's a lot of touched up live albums that I fucking love. This is one of them. Makes you feel like you're right there. Great set list. An incredible live album. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, I love it. Didn't make my list. I know. Kill me. But you know what? Wow, not not at all. Wow. No, it's up there though. I'm telling you, it's up there. I well, now that I think about it, I think it's even better than Made in Japan Deep Purple. So, but it didn't make my list because I don't know. I, I have no excuse. You know, another thing I want to say is also uh, Thin Lizzy Life, which is not really talked about. That's a great live album. That's their last tour where everybody came out at the end. Even Eric Bell, Gary Moore, Robertson, Gorham, Sykes. They all came out at the end, they did the rocker. But you know what's really good on that album is the live version of Gotta Give It Up. 
I, I have it. I haven't listened to it yet. That album, I, I wouldn't say it's better than Live and Dangerous, but it's goddamn close. Anyway, okay, my 11. Oh, no, 12. My 12 yes, is the Scorpions Tokyo Tapes. Nice. Ooh, I love this album. This is an album that I discovered way after the fact. I think I discovered this album like around 84. You know, I, the first Scorpion I heard was Love Drive. I even heard Virgin Killers before I heard um, Tokyo Tapes, which I was very disappointed they didn't put fucking Catch Your Train on here. It's like one of my favorite Scorpion songs. Or my favorite Scorpion song, fucking uh, Sail the Karen, is not on Sharon. It's not on Tokyo Tape, but that doesn't matter. This album is great from beginning to end. I love the the vibe on this album. Just oh, it must be touched up because it's that good. And you were talking about earlier, like oh, this is touched up, but I don't give a fuck. No, you shouldn't give a fuck. I'm here to stress, and I hate when people are like, eh, it's not really a live album. Fuck you. If you want to hear a live album, go to a fucking show. I want if I'm gonna put put down money. To buy a fucking live album, I don't want to hear mistakes. I want to hear a studio album with fucking crowd noise. Unless <laughs> un- unless they play perfectly, which, you know, some of these albums, they do do that. And I love it, but whatever. Tokyo Tapes is so good, it might be touched up, but I don't know. Uh, that's my 12. What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, that's, that's another one. Holy fuck, how did I forget this? But, you know, you, you got a lot of time. You try to think of shit. Of course, you're going to miss shit. Tokyo Tapes is a phenomenal fucking album, which I'm the same as you. I didn't discover it till years later. Well, I didn't discover 70 Scorpions till years later. And now, I got to say, it's it's my favorite Scorpions. Mine too, like, man. Mine too. I, I like it better than the 80s, and I still like 80s Scorpions. But, man, the Uli John Roth era, man, that is just phenomenal. Really good, man fucking smoke a good one and put some headphones on phenomenal music it's, it's weird fit. it's weird too because i agree with you my favorite lineup is the uli era but my favorite album is love drive which is still 70s right but i still love man taken by forts and entrance holy crap. oh yeah and virgin oh, yeah. killers man come on i mean yeah. T- taken by force might be my favorite mine yeah love my, it yeah mine uh okay so what's your 11 my number 11 is one you've already mentioned, and that's Kiss Alive 2. Okay, I mean, uh, all right, go ahead. Man, I I, just, I I really dig it. Like I said, this one grabbed me when I first started listening to him. This one grabbed me more because I was into the uh, Destroyer, uh, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun era. That one grabbed me before the first three did. You know, I mean, I was like fucking 12, and, that, and that's what grabbed me. So I like this one more. And I love Side 4. I thought, I mean, Larger Than Life is still one of my fucking favorite Kiss songs of all time. And it killed me to find out that wasn't Ace. I mean, that really hurt me because I thought that was one of the best Ace solos ever. And it's it fucking Bob Kulik, that fucking cue ball, bitter son of a yeah, bitch. No, no, he, he did great. But you know what? I'll, I'll take the guitar solo on Rocket Ride over the guitar solo on Larger Than Life. Because Ace right. But L- Larger Than Life was my favorite song on side well, four. You know, I, I gotta also say one more thing I didn't say about Kiss Alive 2. Kiss Alive 2 was like a phenomenon. I remember going to school, I was in elementary at the time, and one of the kids brought that album to school with the tattoos and the book. Oh, and yeah. Looking looking at that, the greatest live picture ever is when you, the gatefold. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which which like the album is touched up. I don't know if you know that. Right, and and that was recorded. That was taken during uh, uh, a sound check. That yeah. wasn't li- that wasn't live. That was during the sound check. They did it. They it's added the fireballs, or they made them bigger than they were. Right. It's still the great. I mean, I want I want my whole wall to be that one day. You know. Right, and, and the only reason I think in hindsight that I put a live two uh, under a live one uh, is because live two is Beth. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, no, and that live version of Beth is fucking ridiculous with the crowd. Well, well I, 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 I mean, you don't, it, you don't like, like Beth at all, you know? It, it's, it's like two minutes and two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's, it's very. Sad. My eleven is another great, great album from somebody that many of you might not know, but those that you do know, you know this is really good. It's a Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush live. Ooh, nice. My God, this album is flawless. And one of the, if not the most underrated guitar player ever, it's just right there at the door of my top ten. I wish it wasn't my top ten. Frank Marino, Mahogany Rush Live, Dragonfly, the version of Johnny B. Good. Oh, my Lord. And Purple Haze. I mean, it's just the vibe, the guitar, the tone. That album is just, man, if you haven't heard it and you like guitar players, you're missing out, buddy. Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush Live. Check it out. What do you think? Oh, uh, that that is a great album that, that I didn't think about. You know, uh, I'd probably say Frank Marino and uh, Robin Trower. Yeah. Are, 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 you know, oh Which, my God, I, I love Robin Trower. Well, and, and, and I love Frank Marino. I mean, I think those are two, like, you know, and along with Pat Travers. And they, they have a little bit of respect, but not enough people know about them because they're not played on classic rock every hour, you know, but they are so fucking amazing and so important, so influential. I mean, yeah, Zach Wilde. You know, Frank Marino is like one of his favorites of yeah. all fucking time. Yeah. Him and Al Dimiola, you know, are like two of his favorites of all fucking time. And they don't get their due. And, uh, man, that that is a great pick. And I hope, just because of your enthusiasm and because you are the good doctor, that people run out and check out Frank Marino. You and need Bob to. It's, and when I was a kid, it was not it was not underrated at all. Everybody knew Frank Marino Magnarsh live when I was a kid. Everybody had in their collections back in the late seventies. It just got lost in the in the shuffle. But uh, now we're going to go into the top ten. So let's breathe because uh, let's take a nice breath and let's like these are the what we just discussed now. In my opinion and in Ian's opinion on his list, they are perfect ten live albums except for. Kiss Alive 2 because Ian doesn't like Beth. But other than that, <laughs> everything is a solid 10, what we've talked about so far. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so these next ones go to 11. Yeah. And, and you I, know what I like? Uh-huh. Go ahead. You know what I like about these? What? These nuts. Yes, that makes it. <laughs> Ralph 5, Ian 2. For yes. those that those are keeping score. Yeah, you got you me know. there. You got me there. <laughs> and I actually, I had one of our listeners ask me, he goes, he goes, how come you haven't kept up with the These Nuts number? He goes, you need to get back into that. He goes, I keep listening for that. <laughs> and there you All go. All right, you got it. You got it. All right. All right. Here we go. Coming in at number 10 is a bona fide classic live album. And all I'm going to have to say, and I know Ralph's going to know this album, 
I'm just going to ask you something. You didn't come here to be mellow tonight, did you? Because if you want to be mellow... You can you turn get... around and get the fuck out of here. You're goddamn right. And that is... Uh, oh, my God. Before Jared, there was Ted Nugent. And uh, Double Live Gonzo. Holy fucking shit. I cannot stand Ted Nugent as a human being. But, oh, my God. His music, and especially 70s Ted Nugent, Oof. is fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. And, and Double Live Gonzo is a perfect example of, like, you are at the show. It, it's it's funny because almost after every song, he's like, good night, I'll see you next time. So it's like a shitload of encores. Because yeah. every song is like, good night, y'all coming back. Because every song was so fucking good. It, it, it's an encore. It's like a end the show song. Regardless of what you think of this man, if you love rock and roll, true rock and roll, man, Ted Nugent in the 70s. Uh, Holy fucking shit. And Double Live Gonzo is just the epitome of 70s rock. I absolutely love this fucking album. The, 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 the apex of his fucking career. Double Live Gonzo. What do you think, Ralph? Amazing album from beginning to end. Uh, I love my, you know, uh, Wang Dang, Sweeps and Tang. Uh, oh, the... the uh, Stormtrooping. I mean, this whole album, Hibernation, which is, you know, this kind of jammy, but it's still so cool because it's got that... Fuck it, I don't give a fuck how, how anal this guy is. This guy rocks. Ted Nugent rocks. And if you go see him today, the motherfucker still rocks. There's nothing cooler to see live than Ted Nugent doing Stranglehold. That fucking oh, yeah. solo. That solo, seeing him do that solo live always gets me, man. So, you know, whatever. I know a lot of people like, fuck Ted Nugent, I don't like his politics, therefore I can't like his music. Look, look, I got something to say about that. Ready? You heard that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a fart for you. Because you're not a music fan. Come on. No, you know? I, I, I agree. I cannot stand his personal shit, but I saw him open up for Kiss on the Farewell Tour, and when that motherfucker played Stranglehold, holy fucking shit, dude. I was in heaven. It was, it was amazing. Amazing. Right. You know, almost made me forgive Damn Yankees. I I didn't mind a few songs on that first Damn Yankees album, especially the song he sang. Now I can't remember what it was, Sledgehammer or something like that. I, I like Coming of Age. I like. That yeah, song. that was a good song too. But there's a song on that first Damn Yankees album. I think it's the only song that Ted sings. I think it's called Pile Driver. Pile Driver. That's it. that song rules, dude. That's like classic Ted Nugent, you know. Anyway. Okay, so that's your number 10, right? Yes, sir. My number 10 is considered one of the greatest live albums. And I gotta say, every one of my 10 should be number one. So this one should be on top of the list, but it's not because the ones I love more are above it. But this is probably the greatest live album from a 60s band. Yes, even more than Jimmy Anders. And I'm talking about The Who, Live at Leeds. Nice. Oh my lord, this one with Summertime Blues. It's just, oh. it's got that vibe. It's like, this is why The Who are legends, really. I mean, this album, yeah, you know, your Quadrophenias and your Tommies and all that, but to hear them raw, live, I don't know if this is touched up, but The Who is one of those bands that you don't have to touch up because they're so sporadic. Tom, uh, Keith Moon was just so insane on the drums and, you know, Keith Moon and, 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 and Twistle. 
Live at Leeds is definitely, and the extended version is fucking awesome too. But oh yeah, they, they just put out a four CD box set of this. I must get it using oh. the using the Amazon link. Oh oh, it's it's it, I, I've got it. It's fucking incredible. I gotta get it. Oh well, Live at Leeds is my number ten. Right on. Oh, what's your number nine? All right, my number nine is an album. Some people love, some people hate. A lot of controversy around it, but I think it's phenomenal. And it, it is the end, well, it was the original end of the Ronnie James Dio era with Black Sabbath, and that is Live Evil. I fucking love this album. I love the, the, the Dio era songs, I think sound great. I even like him doing the Ozzy stuff. It's a different take and it's different, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I would have gave anything. The first time I saw Sabbath was the Dehumanizer tour. And that was amazing. But what I would have gave to see this. Holy shit. And, you know, good friend of mine, Jeff Galt, he saw him. Uh, I think he said the Outlaws opened up. He saw him in South Florida. You might have been. I was there. I was at that show. Yeah. Yeah, the Outlaws and, 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 uh, and, and Sabbath. And he said it was just amazing you know you know a lot of people went in there like oh fuck Ozzy's not here he said by the end of the show he, he said it was so fucking godlike you didn't fucking care because of the the charisma you know you know the the everything that is Ronnie James Dio and the way that the rest of the band was able to open up with, with Ozzy gone even though I mean of course Ozzy Sabbath is my favorite Sabbath of all time but uh, I, I really think Tony went to another place with Dio in his playing uh, that I think is the best playing of his career it is on those the first two uh, Dio albums. And I absolutely love Sabbath uh, Live Evil. Uh, ever since I got I think I bought this like in 88 or 89, and I still listen to it religiously. Love this album. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I, I just want to touch upon the show that your friend saw that I was at as well. I got to say, that night, when they did NIB, Dio sang it differently. Than, I, I never forget how he did that, where he goes, the part of the song where he goes, wanted to feel, I just got to feel. But when I saw the Sportatorium, he went, feel, like he did this real high thing that it really disappointed me when I heard the, the live evil versions like, why isn't he doing that high note? Because that's what got me, man. And I, let me tell you something. When he would do that live that night, when he feel, and then when the band would go into da na na na, I swear I couldn't hear the band go da na na na, because the crowd went so insane. When he would hit that note, it would drown out the band. And and Black Sabbath, for those that are not aware. Black Sabbath and Motorhead are the two loudest bands on the planet. They will leave you deaf. Any lineup. Um, now, I have mixed feelings of, of Live Evil. I do not like Ronnie's interpretation of Ozzy's songs. I do feel like his version of Black Sabbath is really good on Live Evil. I love it. I love how he does it. I love how he delivers it. It's, very, it's much more evil than how Ozzy did it. Though, you know, I'm such a fanboy of Original Sabbath, I can't, I'm not allowed to say it's better than the original. <laughs> but it is a great, I mean, Ronnie does great. But, man, the part in Paranoid, 
where he goes, because uh, when I'm blind, and then he yells, I can't see! I'm like, what the fuck, man? I hate that. I hate how he does those eyes songs. But I love Sign of the Southern Cross in the middle of Heaven and Hell. I love... Uh, Voodoo. Voodoo is great. No, no, it's, it's great. Mob Rules, uh, uh, Neon Knights. It's a great live album. But another thing I have a problem with is the audience is so low. You can barely hear them. It's weird. Well, there was so much drama with the yeah, fiction of that I, album. I know. I know about this. But, but, but who the fuck messed with the audience? I can understand. I heard Dio would raise the vocals, then uh, uh, Tony would go in and raise the guitars. And Dio has said on record that he never did such a thing. He said that the guy that was recording that album was constantly fucked up on Jack Daniels. So who knows what's to believe? I mean, and he said shit to Tony and, you know, the band broke up under, over, um, you know, the producers saying lies about each other. And plus, you know, I mean, they were all fucked up. Tony was still fucked up on drugs at the time. Just going by my Sabbath history. But Live Evil is a great album, don't get me wrong, but it does have some flaws that it would not make my top 20. All right, so that's my my turn, right? What's yes, that? Sir. What, that's your number nine, right? Yeah, so give me your number nine. My number nine is Ted Nugent Double Live Gonzo. Yeah! We already talked about it, so go into your number eight. Okay, my number eight is one you already talked about, and that is The Who Live at Leeds. All right, you got anything and, to say? Yeah, I mean, just this is probably the first live album I ever heard, really. Because my dad was like just, this was his fucking Who album. And he would play this in the car all the time. And uh, man, it just really reached out to me. This was recorded on the on the Tommy tour. And uh, oh man, uh, young man. Ain't, Ain't got, got nothing, nothing in the world, these, world days. these days. I mean, oh, the power of that is amazing. And the who, holy fucking shit. I mean, unfortunately, the first and only time I ever saw him was on the 89 tour, you know, where they did all of Tommy. And it was great, but, you know, hey, it, was, it, was, it was Simon Phillips. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't even Kenny Jones. And, and they had so many backup people and everything. It was still great. I remember they did a three-hour show. And in that same that same summer of 89, I saw The Who first. They played for like three hours. And then I saw The Stones on the Steel Wheels tour. And The Stones only played for two hours. And I was pissed because I thought every band played for three hours. Right. You know? But, I mean, I mean, it was great. And I loved the live out from that tour, the Join Together thing. But, man, live at Leeds... Is, and I'm surprised it's not higher on my list because it is that important. Uh, I, I can't stress enough. Even if you're not a Who fan, fucking check out. Go to Amazon. Get Live at Leeds. If you're a casual fan, get the regular version. If you're a super fan, get the new 4CD box set. Because if you love this album, it's all that and a fucking bag of chips. That shit is amazing. But uh, who live at Leeds? You got anything else to add on that, Ralph? Yeah, well, I just want to say that you should be very happy and honored that you did get to see the Ox live. Yes, I. Oh, yeah, I, I, I love John Entwistle. My favorite bass player of all time, actually. Incre incredible, incredible. I remember when he died. I, I, I made a post about it. I think it was during the MySpace days or whatever. 
And my friend David Scott was like, yeah, sure. You're just saying that because he's died. I was like, fuck you, bro. John Antoine's God. Oh, he he was fucking phenomenal. The Ox John Entwistle was amazing. And so cool. I did get to see uh, the the It's Hard tour, which was actually their farewell tour. Yeah. Then right. I saw the one you're talking about at the Joe Robbie Stadium. Uh, the, and then I saw this last one, which was amazing. They did the Seeker. But uh, oh. all right. So that that what number is that? That was my number eight. So All right. Give me your number eight. My number eight is furious. It is cutthroat. It is nonstop hitting you on with a fucking head with pure intensity, pure vibe. And I'm talking about the Ramones, It's Alive. Nice. Have you heard this one? Oh, yes. Oh, oh my yes. Lord. This one I've loved forever. Ever since I was a little kid. One of my first Ramones albums. Wore it out. I still have that copy. From beginning to end, this one, two, three, four. Like they were just, oh, that is the essential Ramones. I didn't really like that other one they put out. I forgot what it was called, the live album. But, uh, yeah, they did a couple after that. Yeah, very forgettable live albums. This is the yeah. one, man. The Ramones. It's alive. It is so good. Double album, fucking pummeling. I don't understand how this album didn't like. Blow up like Budokan because it's that good. Uh, what do you think of it, Ramones? It's alive. Uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, the peak of their powers. We are both huge Ramones fans, and uh, oh my God, that 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 era and that lineup. Yeah, the original uh, the original lineup. Unfortunately, the Ramones are like uh, like Motorhead and Misfits. You know, if if they sold as many albums as they did shirts. They'd be fucking millionaires. You're right. And so, and so many people wear it because it's hip or it's cool. But you know what? If you don't know or love these bands, don't fucking wear that shit. I I, I shoot out this guy I work with, uh, and I love the guy to death. But he bought a fucking Misfits shirt, and he 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 knows nothing about the Misfits. And I'm I'm like, it's not a fashion statement. It's a band. These are incredible fucking bands. But uh, I know, don't. I don't mean to sound harsh or anything, but, you know, if uh, I think they should pass a law that if you go up to somebody wearing a Ramon shirt and you say, name me a Ramon song, and they say 20, 24 hours ago, it should be legal to tie them to a chair and rip out all their teeth with a with a pair of pliers. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, I, I support that. Mm-hmm. And I'm liberal, <laughs> but I support that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck posers. Uh, you got to believe in the band, and that's another one that I thought about. And uh, there's another reason I should have took Doc and off the list. Uh, it, 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 it's a great fucking album. Great fucking album. All right, so uh, what's your number seven? All right, my number seven is uh, from one of my favorite bands of all time, and definitely with my favorite lineup, and that is the Rolling Stones with Get Your Yayas Out. Oh my fucking god! Uh, as much as I love Brian Jones and appreciate Brian Jones, when they got Mick Taylor, it took the Stones to another fucking level. And this was on the uh, Let It Bleed tour, and just fucking absolutely amazing. I'm still surprised this isn't fucking higher on my list. Uh, but oh my god, the you know the version of fucking Midnight Rambler alone, the quintessential version of Midnight Rambler. 
is on Get Your Yaya's out. Uh, I love the fucking Stones. Love it. I Again, I think the greatest rock and roll band of all time. I think the greatest band of all time is the Beatles, but the greatest rock and roll band, the Rolling Stones. And uh, Get Your Yaya's out from 1969 is fucking amazing. Love this album. Are you familiar with this one, Ralph? I have heard it. Um, uh, shout out to my friend Carlos Guti, who's a huge Stones fan. Did burn me this because uh, he wanted me to get more into the Stones. I am a very casual Stones fan. Don't hate them at all. I love... Uh, I know the song's not called Heartbreaker. What's it called? Doo-doo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doo-doo, Heartbreaker. Yeah. God, I love that song. And and there's a lot of Stone songs I, I love. And I love Tattoo You because that was my era. Waiting on a Friend, Little TNA. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, I like a lot of older ones too, like uh, Wild Horses. Uh, Salt of the Earth is a great one. But, you know, I, I can't really... I mean, my friend burned me it. I listened to it and I did enjoy it. But unfortunately, I didn't go over it over and over again. And it's been well over a decade since I've heard it. So uh, send it my way, because I don't know where my burn copy is. Will do, because it's incredible. Okay, what, what number is that? Oh, seven. Okay, my number seven. And if it's not on your list, shame on you, Ian. The, <laughs> the last time I heard this album was in New Orleans. And Ian's Porch barbecuing a phenomenal live album. You know what live album I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Their second live album, where the first one I love, but I love this one even more. It's Exit Stage Left from the band I saw in New Orleans last, Rush. Oh man, the vibe on this song, on the, this album, the track listing. What makes this so unique was they had Passage to Bangkok and Beneath Between, whatever the name of that song is. Yeah. These songs that didn't appear on the first live album, but they're from that era, yet they appeared on Exit Stage Left. I love this album. I love the the album cover. has all the little, you know, yeah. album cover throw, throwbacks. Uh, Exit Stage Left is a great live album. Great vibe. Great flow to it. Love it. What do you think? Did it make your list? Uh, well, I, you're going to have to wait and see. Okay, all but, right. But, but I absolutely love this fucking album. Um, man, uh, and Xanadu on this. And, and yes. that's one like... You know, somebody posted Xandu the other day on our Facebook page, and uh, you know, I I was so happy that I got to hear that you're sitting right next to me because we weren't together for the first part of the show. That's right. We got together during the best part of the show. Yeah, exa exactly. And to hear this song and sit next to my fucking my partner in crime and shit, you know, and and and, and a young you know Rush fan to my right. It was a magical moment when they played Xanadu, and, and and what an incredible show that was! And this is an incredible live album. A uh, little bit more polished than all the world's a stage, but I still love it. You know, you and me are both—we both agree. We have no problem with uh, polished live albums. Yeah, and I gotta agree with you, Ian. Sitting next to you at that show was very magical. Seeing how happy you were. Oh, to be I, 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 to be well, near me. Yes. <laughs> it was very magical. Yes, that's true. <laughs> All right, man. So, uh... Great album. Okay. So, that would go into your number six. Yes. My number six. Oh, my God. Does this hold a special place in my heart? Uh, one of the greatest bands of all time with one of the greatest frontmen of all time. And that is Mr. Bon Scott. And this is ACDC. 
if you want blood. Oh my God, do I love this album. This was my third Bon Scott CD. Uh, first one was uh, Highway to Hell, then I got Dirty Deeds, and then I got this one. And man, it just blew me away, the rawness, the, the, the purity of it. Uh, my favorite version all time of the Jack. <laughs> you know, to me, I, I mean, I love the studio version of the Jack, but when I hear the Jack, I want to hear this one. And this album is absolutely flawless. One of the purest bands of all time. True, true rock and roll. You know, of, of, of the fucking, you know, Chuck Berry kind of, you know, just pure, pure rock and roll. No bullshit. No filler, no preservatives. Pure rock and roll. ACDC, if you want blood. Phenomenal. What do you think, Ralph? It was the very first ACDC I ever heard. Uh, my friend, yeah, he bought it when it came out. Uh, because Just because of the album cover. He's like, dude, I bought this album. The guy's getting impaled with a guitar. So I went to his house and listened to it. And my first listen, I was like, oh, the band's good, but I can't stand that singer. <laughs> I hate that singer. He sounds like an alien. The fuck is that? And now he's like my favorite, one of my favorite singers and my idol and the guy I think about when I write lyrics. I love this album. Uh, did it make my top 10? Well, if it didn't, then it means I don't think much of it. But if it does, it means I love it, right? So I guess we're going to have to find out if, if it was good enough, worthy to be on my top five really because we're going into five now no no i gotta talk about my number six yes which again i should stress my number six should be number one just like my number ten nine eight seven six five four three two one all of them should be number one but this one is number six and i gotta say one of my favorite bands i've seen them over 60 times an album that was an import it wasn't meant to be released Oh, I know what you're talking about. It was an album that was not meant to be released in the U.S. It was just a thank you to the fans in Japan because they love them over there. Over here, they were just an opening act. But it sold so much as an import. Epic Records decided to release it in the United States and it exploded and made them a headline act. I'm talking about Rockford's own Cheap Trick at Budokan. Everybody, everybody knows this fucking album. Yes, there is an extended version which I love so much, but I gotta tell you, man, I enjoy more the condensed original version because it's just so fucking good. The flow is so good. It's just so awesome. An amazing album. One of the greatest of all time. It's a, it's a great pick. Thank you, thank you. So what would be your number five? All right. My number five would be Rockford Zone. Cheap uh -huh. trick. And here's a little thing where... It's nice because it's a little bit different from yours. While I love the original, my mine is the complete concert, if you get it now. Uh, the complete Budokan show. Because shit like Can't Hold On means everything to me. I mean, oh what my God. What a great song, man. Oh, one of my, one of my all-time favorite Cheap Trick songs. And to me, after I heard the complete concert, I, I can't listen to the original anymore. The original is dead to me. You, I, I have to hear the two-disc complete version that is available through our Amazon link. Have you heard uh, Budokan 2, by the way? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the mix. No. Budokan 1. No, no. A complete pack uh, concert 
and Budokan 2 are different. Oh, I did not know that. Budokan 2 does have most of the songs that were left off that are now on the complete, but it has a few songs from the next time they went to Japan. Top, oh, of, top of the World. Oh, nice. I think uh, How Are You. Oh, okay. And I, there's a third song. There's three songs, and that is out of print, I believe, Budokan okay. Part 2. And they're okay. great as well. But okay. you can tell the vibe is different from the original. I, I'm not, believe me, I'm not slamming the complete uh, show because I don't listen to the original anymore. I listen to right. the complete one because that's all the right. only thing available. If I want to listen to the original, I have to put on the vinyl. So, right. you know, I don't have, like, I used to have it on CD. I think I still do, but yeah, I, I, I want to hear Stiff Competition, Can't Hold On, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah my, my, my number five is definitely the complete concert, and it, it is just amazing. This band is cl- criminally underrated. Yeah. I mean, the, the singing, the guitar playing, the drumming. God, do I miss Bunny Carlos, even though Rick Nielsen's kid does a great job. I, I've, I've seen him live with him twice, and, and they do amazing. But uh, but this is with Mr. Bunny Carlos. You know, This and, next and, song starts with Mr. Bunny Carlos. It, 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 it's amazing. One of the greatest albums of all fucking time. Uh, Cheap Trick at Budokan. My version is the complete concert that you can get as a two CD set. And to me, that's the only way to hear it now. I, I'm spoiled. I can't go back to the original. I, I love this version. Absolutely incredible. That's my number five. Yeah, I, I still like the original a little bit more because of sentimental reasons. It's what I, I it's what I've lived with for like two decades before I heard the full version. I, I totally understand. All right, so what's uh, uh that's your number five, right? Yeah, so give me your number five. My number five is Motorhead's No Sleep Till Hammersmith. Nice. This album blew my mind when I first got it because give you all a little history. I know I'm repeating myself on past episodes, but I saw Motorhead's first show in the U.S opening for Heart and Blues Occult at the Miami Baseball Stadium. And I was on a mission to find their latest album, which was Ace of Spades at the time, with no luck. Everywhere I looked, I never found it. Then one day at a local record store in Hialeah, Florida, where I used to live, called Ricky's Records, which is still there, by the way. I walked in there and I found Motorhead's No Sleep Till Hammersmith. And I was like, holy shit, a Motorhead album, fine. I turned around, I saw Ace of Spades on there, bought it and it changed me because this was this was a fucking game changer right here because at this time i was headlong into the new wave of british heavy metal i was a big fan of iron maiden and priest even though technically they aren't new wave but you know i did own uh and you know and i've heard rumblings but i was always in the search for new wave of british heavy metal stuff so my mindset was like the heavier the better. And Motorhead's No Sleep to Hammersmith was by far the heaviest thing I owned at that point. When I put that album on, it was so fucking heavy and it was like so fucking... Dude, let, let me cough on the fucking CD in between the songs like... And this the <coughs> It's like, fuck yeah, that's cool. And it, let, come on, Hammersmith, let's hear it for the road crew. And that guy goes... God, the greatest I love, streamer of all time. <laughs> I love that shit. 
Uh, every song on there, that's the first time I ever heard Motorhead songs other than which, which uh, witnessing it live. But, you know, The Hammer, uh, We Are The Roku, Overkill, the song Motorhead, Stay Clean, dude, that fucking bass solo. That whole album, Capricorn, uh, Metropolis, man, and I know there's some kind of bonus one out there, that which I need to get. Oh, it's incredible. But, like I said about Cheap Trick and Budokan, it probably won't take its place. But I love Motorhead's No Sleep Till Hammersmith. Exceptional album. Way the fuck up. Starting my top five. What do you think? Uh, amazing album. Amazing album. Amazing band. And uh, you want to talk about a raw album. That's it. I mean, this is a true live album. Fucking uh, no pun intended. Warts and all. Uh, absolutely love this fucking album. Hell yeah. All, all right. Then we go into my number four. Which, uh, oh my, a lot of people say this is the best. And, uh, man, I can't argue too much, but it is at my number four. And that is the incredible 1975 classic, Kiss Alive. Holy fucking shit. Is this a raw, excited band? Um, I know a lot of it's touched up in the studio, but still, you can't deny uh, the, the feeling, the energy. And, and and the great simplicity of all the songs off the first three studio albums. It's basic rock and roll, but it's so good, so catchy, so amazing. Uh, the incredible guitar playing by Ace Frehley and the great jazz standard drumming of Peter Chris, who I hate Peter Chris, fuck Peter Chris, up the fucking ass. I'm not a Peter Chris fan, personally. But his drumming in Original Kiss is perfect. It's Charlie Watts-esque. It serves the song. It's not John Bonham, but it serves the song perfectly. It has that swing to it. It has, I mean, the chemistry of the original four, you cannot beat. I mean, I love Eric Carr. I mean, I mean, there's no way Peter Chris could have done Creatures of the Night. There's no fucking way. But when I think of Kiss, I think of, of the original four. I, I think of the, the 70s Kiss. And you couldn't pick four better people to make this music. They are all irreplaceable for that for that for those albums. Absolutely love it. The energy, the fire. I fucking love Kiss Live. What do you think, brother? Yeah, uh, and you were saying, like, well, Eric Carr can't. Uh, you know, Peter Chris would suck on, on uh, what do you call uh, Creature of the Night? Yeah, but you know what, man? And and not, nothing against Eric Carr because I thought Eric Carr. Yeah, let me put it this way: every time I saw Eric Carr with Kiss, I thought his drum solo was the best part of the damn show. And I don't get I don't get impressed with drum solos, but Eric Carr always put in a, an extra oomph to his drum solos to keep it entertaining. And uh, but. For me, the best Kiss drummer is Peter Chris. And other than Dress to Kill, because Dress to Kill, Peter Chris is like, that's probably the highlight for me as, as Peter Chris as a drummer is on Dress to Kill, but also on Alive, which happens to be the Dress to Kill tour. I think that's Peter Chris at his peak right there. He was so amazing all over that fucking album. The vibe of that album. Kiss Alive is what started the, the live album craze of the 70s. It's what, I mean, it was, it's so good. 
It's so fucking good. Will it make my top five? Well, it better. So, uh, yeah, Kiss Alive. Fucking phenomenal. And I also want to add, I heard Kiss Alive after I heard Kiss Alive 2. So you figure I would be more of a Kiss Alive 2 guy. But no, when I heard Kiss Alive, it got it just grabbed me by the throat to this day. It's like, fuck, man. One of the greatest, if not the greatest live album of all time. Will it make my number one? Well, you're going to have to stick around. But Kiss Alive rules. Thank you. All right. Well, what's your number four, brother? My number four is ACDC. If you want blood, you got it. Of course. Yeah. Of course it's going to make my list. What the fuck? So what's your number three? All right. My number three. Uh, which a lot of people refer to is Unleashed in the Studio, but to me it's always going to be Unleashed in the East, and that is Judas Priest. Oh my fucking God. Uh, this was my first 70s Judas Priest album. And uh, I, it's funny, I call it album, but I had it on cassette. And I'll never forget being 13, and I had a, uh, it was called The Penny Saver. It was like a little fucking newspaper I, I used to pass out before school. I had to get up at 5 in the morning and I'd pass this shit out. And I had a Walkman. And at the time, every day when I would pass this fucking newspaper out, um, I would pop in Unleashed in the East. And just amazing. Holy fucking shit. I love this album. I don't care how touched up it is or what. Uh, it's just fucking incredible. And it has what I truly believe is the greatest scream of all time. I'm sorry, Ian Gillen. I, I, I love Child in Time, but uh, the, the, the fucking scream and Victim of Changes, the quintessential version of Victim of Changes is on this album, and all the other songs are amazing. Judas Priest Unleashed in the East, uh, amazing, amazing live album. Uh, man, I, I wish I could have 10 number ones because uh, this is just phenomenal. I love it. What do you think, Ralph? Eh, my number three is Kiss Alive. Now, I already talked about Kiss Alive, and it should have been my number one, but it didn't make it. So uh, go to number two. I already talked enough about Kiss Alive. All right. My number two, which I know you're going to hate. <laughs> And I could give a fucking rat's ass. Because... Yeah, right. You know it bothers this, you, whatever it is. No. This live album, I've probably heard more than any other live album. And since I first bought it in, I would say, 87, it never goes out of rotation. I always love this album. Fuck the haters. Iron Maiden, Live After Death. Oh, well, then fuck you, too. Okay, uh, I, I, don't, I don't care if some shit's off. This just has the feeling. Yeah, you don't care. You don't care if it's not perfect. In other words, yeah, no, I don't care. Okay, I don't, I don't, well, this, at least this, we can agree on that. This has the feeling of being at the show, and it's kind of hard to uh, to separate listening to this and watching the home video because I did both of them so much, and it just blew my fucking mind. I mean. It was just fucking amazing, you know, the, the watching the visual, listening to the audio. You know, if I wasn't watching at home, 
I was listening to it in my car. And uh, the, the funny thing is, because of the CD age where so much shit would get cut off, when I first bought this, I didn't have side four. That was on the vinyl or the... Uh, oh, the Hammersmith, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't have those songs. So when I listen to them now, even though I love them, it's still kind of weird because it's like, oh, this isn't what I'm used to because I had the, you know, unfortunately in that age, they had a limit on the CDs, so I didn't have that. But it was just so perfect to me, so complete. Uh, absolutely an incredible band at their peak, which which I, I do as much no. as I fucking as much as I worship fucking somewhere in time, to me the Power Slave Tour was the peak of Iron Maiden, and uh, absolutely love it. I never get tired of it. Everything sounds great on this. Every fucking song is amazing. I, I love this album. Ralph, I know you're going to bitch a little bit, but my number two is Iron Maiden Live After Death. I like the B-side. Uh, one of the B-sides from Live uh, After Death was Lost for Words. I like that one. Because Bruce is not singing. You know what? Now you remind me of a live album that should have made my list. Well, maybe not, but it would have been very close. It was actually uh, uh, Iron Maiden, uh, Beast Over Hammersmith. Which I felt like is it, it owns Live After Death so much. Because Bruce Dickinson was just such a phenomenal, phenomenal singer at that time. That I feel like he blew his voice on that tour. Because if you look at Dortmund... That was a peace of mind. You already see the flaws. Right. But, but let me tell you something. I saw the Power Slave Tour. And I got to tell you, man, that show was just beyond awesome. From beginning to end, I think, I I mean, maybe Bruce sounded like crap that night too. And I didn't notice. Or, you know, and maybe I was in the same mind of frame of mind as you and all the millions of people that love Live After Death. Where you overlook how horrible he sounds. But I thought the live show was just fucking God. I saw Peace of Mind, and it disappointed me. That was the first time I saw Iron Maiden. And I was telling everybody, dude, Iron Maiden ain't that great live. I, I, I got my mouth shut on the Power Slave Tour because they were fucking great. But, man, that fucking voice on Bruce. The band sounds amazing. But the band sounds like they do on the album. It's like, fuck it. I'd rather listen to the studio where Bruce took breaks and could sing fine. Because he obviously did not touch up anything on this fucking album. Well, I, I look at that like you hear some people bitch about, you know, the Van Halen Live at Tokyo about Dave's vocals. But it doesn't matter to me because it's the feeling of it. You know, it, it's like, I, it doesn't have to be fucking perfect. Because when I listen to that, I feel like I'm at an Iron Maiden show. And it's more about what it evokes, the feeling, the emotion, the happiness that I get when I hear that. And it doesn't have to be fucking perfect to me. You gotta remember, I may bash this album, and I may bash a lot of Iron Maiden after this album, but man, up to this point, I loved everything Maiden's done. I love Power Slave. You know, Maiden to me, it's like, and you know, I give all those first five albums a solid 10, but at the same time, I love them in order. Like, my favorite's the first one, my second favorite's Killers, my third is number my fourth is peace and my you know the the bottom of the five is power slave but power slave is solid man and another thing live after death is number two in my favorite iron maiden album covers that album cover is <laughs> phenomenal 
I think that album cover sells that album. I think it blinds <laughs> some of you fuckers. Because it's such a great album cover. It's like, this has to be good. You know? Uh, you know, and I think because of the album cover, it, it, it really does taint. And I also do believe that Iron Maiden, without Eddie, would not be as big as they are today. But that's my opinion. All right, my number two, which should be my number one, but my number one is so number one. So my number two, before I mention it, I'm going to build it up a bit. It's a very special live album for me. I was raised in a town called Hialeah, Florida, where now Hialeah, Florida is nothing but Cubans. But when I lived there in the 70s, it was mostly rednecks. I was raised by rednecks as friends. A lot of redneck friends. And one of my great friends from my block, Dale Hicks, who I have not seen in 31 years, and I recently found him on Facebook, and we recently talked on the phone, which is phenomenal. I haven't seen that guy since like 83, 84. Uh, he turned me on to this. Big fan I, of this band. I know what it is already. Uh, yeah, you may know. And let me tell you, there is an extended version, but you know, I'm more into the original. Even though they, I, it's a double I, and album. I have the extended. <laughs> I have it too. I have it as well. And I love it. The extended has like uh, different nights and shit. But the mine is the phenomenal band, which I am proud to say that I visited the singer and the bass player's gravestone just last week. I knew it! Was Leonard Skinner's One More for the Road. All the way up at number two. What could be my no? What could be better than that for me? Because Leonard Skinner is so important to my childhood, especially this album. Working for MCA, searching. Uh, a great cover of Crossroads and Freebird, man. That's a, you know when you go to shows, people are like Freebird, Freebird. They got it from this live album because Ronnie's there going, "What do you want to hear?" Everybody's yelling Freebird. This album rules, man. And yeah, the extended version has my favorite Leonard Skinner song that didn't make the original version, which is "Give Me Back My Bullets." Not my favorite, but one of my favorites. Ooh, I love that song. It's one of my favorites. Though. But, God, this is such a great, great... I mean, I love Freebird, man. I never get sick of... Especially that live version where in the middle and Billy Powell's playing that piano and Ronnie goes, play it pretty for Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I got, I got chills right now, just saying. Um, dude, it was so emotional being at his gravestone. Uh, it was... God, it had little birds on it and right next to his gravestone was... Because he's buried next to his parents and some other relative where that gravestone actually has a picture of Ronnie on it. And it was very, and right across from it, it was a huge, huge uh, thing on Leon Wilkinson, the, the bass player. They're, they're buried right next to each other. I unfortunately couldn't find Alan Collins or Steve Gaines in the graveyard, big graveyard, which I didn't really have enough time. But it started raining too, so we had to leave. But, um, yes, Leonard Skinner, One More for the Road. It's such, and I love that album. When you open it up, like, you know, the, the vinyl is the way to go, man. Because inside it has, like, a McDonald's cup and Artemis Pyle flying through the air and all this crazy shit happening, flying out of the fucking stage. What a great fucking album. Leonard Skinner, One More for the Road. It is my number two 
greatest album, live album of all time. Holy shit, that, that really threw me for a loop. Great album, though. Great album. But now I'm so curious about your number one. Uh, but! Let's go to my number one. Uh, uh. Coming in at number one with a bullet. And this was fucking hard. But I decided to pick an album. You know, we both love a lot of albums that are touched up. But I picked one that is raw as fuck. You know? More raw than how I bang your mother without a cut. That's raw. This, yes. This is the 1981 classic. From Motorhead. No Sleep Till Hammersmith. Alright. Ho- holy fucking shit. Uh, this is just... They were so hungry. And so amazing at this time. Uh, they still are. And they've, they've done many great live albums after. It was hard. Almost made my list was... Uh, everything louder than everything else. Uh, a live album they did from Germany in '98 that I think is fucking phenomenal. But this is with the classic lineup. It is the classic album. I love. Uh, I originally got this with the bonus, so I know like the you know full show, you know the, the extended you know versions and everything. And the funny thing is, none of these songs are recorded at the Hammersmith. <laughs> you know that was like a joke. I didn't know that. This, yeah, this, this shit, uh, it's mostly from a show in Newcastle and, and, and somewhere else, but they, they didn't even play Hammersmith Odeon on this tour. <laughs> they did like five shows in the UK and none of them were at the Hammersmith. But the joke was like, they're not going to give up till they play the Hammersmith. I but they didn't, they didn't play it on this tour. But what an amazing raw album. And like I said, no pun intended, all warts and all are on this and you know fast eddie clark filthy animal taylor and jesus christ himself lemmy uh amazing so raw so powerful this is a band that leads rock and roll i'm so happy i'm gonna see him in a couple weeks i've got an incredible weekend i'm seeing motley Crue and alice cooper for the second time of this tour on friday in new orleans and then i'm driving to houston saturday morning to see uh, Crowbot, Saxon, and Motorhead. And then I come back Sunday and I see Saxon do a, a headline show here in New Orleans. And, and luckily I got Monday off because it's Memorial Day or Labor Day or one of those fucking days. But uh, so glad to see Motorhead for the fourth time. And, I mean, I know Lemmy's like 70 and it might not be the same as the last time I saw him, but I don't give a fuck because I get to see Motorhead again and I get to see Saxon. And, uh, man, Motorhead, one of the greatest of all time. That's why it takes up half my fucking left arm. Because I love this fucking band. I fucking love Motorhead. And this is a quintessential, true, live fucking album. I love No Sleep to Hammersmith. And I'm very, very curious to hear your number one, Ralph. Or, or do you have any other thoughts you'd like to add on to Well, that? I also want to say that I am also going to see... Motorhead, and I'm going to see Motley Crue and uh, Alice Cooper too soon. But, nice. unfortunately, I get Anthrax, you get Saxon. What the fuck? Yeah? I, I, haven't well. see, I haven't seen Saxon since they opened for for Triumph in 1981 or 82. Allied Forces, Denim and Leather. That's the last time I saw Saxon. Well, I, I'm, I'm so happy because uh, I, not only do I get to see him open up for Motorhead, 
which I mean it's it's gonna be like an abbreviated set, but still awesome. But then I get to see the headline. Oh set. God, rub it in some more. I heard you the first time. You fuck. Well, no. But what uh, they're concentrating on is it's all shit from Strong Armor of the Law, oh. Denim and Leather, and uh, fuck, what am I leaving out? You're leaving out, uh, yeah, yeah, you leave it out, you're the one that gets to see it, and I don't. Wheels of Steel, you jackass. Yeah, 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 I'm drunk. Wheels of Steel. Good album. Fuck you! <laughs> okay, bye. Alright. Uh, my number one. Here we go. Drum roll. I didn't, All right. I didn't talk about it, but you brought it up. It's in your top ten, and I said, eh. Because I the reason I went, eh, because it ain't your number one. The greatest live album ever. And I don't give a fuck what you say, anybody out there listening. Because I know a lot of you listening are like, but it's not really a live album. Eh, I still live with my mom. The greatest live album ever is Judas Priest, Unleashed in the East. Yeah! Fucking flawless. I gotta say, I agree with you, Ian, on one part where you said the greatest... You know, I, didn't, I don't agree with you when you say the greatest scream ever is Victim of Changes. Though, I will say, it is an awesome scream. But... What do you think... What do you think is better than that scream? That fucking last scream on Exciter. It's like, oh. stand, fight for Exciter. Stand, fight for Exciter. Then, and then he does a third one. It's like, stand, fight for And you're like, no way. He can't go higher than that. Stand, <laughs> fight for Exciter. The greatest. Oh. And according to Rob Hoffer, he went in and did some vocal touch-ups. The, the band supposedly live. But it just sounds so good. I don't, I don't believe it. Unleashed in the East changed my fucking life. Before then, yeah, I liked Sabbath. I liked, uh, you know, Nazareth and uh, Voice of Cult. You know, the hard rock and stuff. But Judas Priest was heavy metal 24-7. There was no blues influence. There was no nothing on Unleashed in the East. Unleashed in the East was unabashed heavy metal to the core and that's the one album that to this day is the greatest live album is uh, when i met rob halford when he was in fight i met him and i went up to him and this is what i said i said rob my favorite live album ever is unleashed in the east and he said to me thank you i appreciate it and i was like wow rob halford just acknowledged me <laughs> he didn't let me give him head though I didn't, but that's because I didn't try. But I gotta say, Unleashed in the East is by far the greatest live album, and in my opinion, the greatest heavy metal album ever released. Greatest wow. Judas Priest album. Yes, Black Sabbath are my favorite band, but Unleashed in the East is my favorite album of all time when it comes to heavy metal. Maybe I can think of other genres where I like more, but when it comes to heavy metal, no album captures the spirit of true heavy metal, guitar attack, banshee vocals, insane drumming from the very underrated Les Binks. Hell who, yeah. Who does not appear on the album anyway. Because Rob Hofford like stands in front of him. <laughs> but it's still one of the coolest. You look at that album cover and it's like, this screams fucking metal. Just the visual, it's like, 
heavy metal. Rob on the fucking bike. KK with the fucking flying V in the air. Glenn like holding his guitar like, hey, look, you know, you see how I am? Wait till you hear me play, you fuck. And, you know, Ian Hill just got. But they fucking ruled. That album rules. Unleashed in the East, not only my favorite live album, the greatest heavy metal album ever released. Thank you very much. Nice. Oh, wait, wait. By the way, by the way, Ian, refresh my memory. Did you put Live Up to Death above Unleashed in the East? Yes, I did. <laughs> I love you, dude. You should do stand-up. Hello. Try the veal. Yeah. Well, man, we hope you enjoyed this. And, what do you uh, mean you were? I don't have to hope shit. Everybody enjoyed this show. This show fucking ruled. You know why? Not only because of me, but you were really good on it, too, Ian. Well, thank you. I, th- I really, I mean, come on, with me it's a no-brainer. You know it's going to be quality shit. But when you keep up with me, because your shit was good, bro. Even even if you liked uh, uh, Live After That, I got to say, your performance <laughs> on this show was top-notch, and that's it. We just broke the internet. That's true. That's true. Well, man, I, and I'll tell you what, I hope a lot of the listeners, uh, if you don't know some of these albums we listen to, we hope you check them out. Because I don't think there was any of us made a bad pick or, you know, picked a, a subpar album. Uh, they're all awesome. And there's a lot of great albums we did leave off. But, uh, you know, it's all what we thought of at the time. And uh, we both stand by our picks. Well, now we got to go into pick of the week. All right. You right? do it. You go for it. You go for it. All right. all right. My first pick of the week is a live album. Mine too, by the way. That, uh didn't make my list but it doesn't mean I don't I don't love it and it's the 1978 classic by my favorite guitar player of all time Frank Zappa and it is Frank Zappa's live in New York and oh my god titties and beer torture never stops punky whips uh, uh, the black uh, purple lagoon goes on and on I love Frank Zappa my favorite guitar player of all time uh, an amazing album. If you don't know Frank Zappa, do yourself a favor and check it out. It's more than just comedy rock. I mean, there's some serious, serious musical shit going on in the background uh, that I don't think will ever be duplicated. The man was a genius. Uh, Justin Childers doesn't like him, but uh, you know he loves the taste of a man in his mouth, so what do you know? But anyway, Frank Zappa, live in New York, in a Incredible fucking album. Uh, right there on the cusp of my list. Check it out. Justin Childers should listen to Bobby Brown by Frank Zappa. It's more up his alley. <laughs> yeah. And by alley, we mean his asshole. Yeah. <laughs> his, his anally. <laughs> All right, Ralph. Uh, you got one? Or yeah, my, mine's a live album, too. Here we uh, go. We did uh, bring it up. Uh, my li- mine is uh, the Made in Japan EP, uh, Iron Maiden. Uh, the greatest live EP ever. The reason it didn't make my list is because it's an EP. But I do, I do own the live album, which I purchased about a year ago. I don't think that was officially released, was it? What the EP? Yeah, no, the 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 full show. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, not the full. Okay, no. there's. Now, don't be fooled, people, because out there, there's a version out there that they call the full version of Made in Japan, which is not 
Paul Diano had a cold or something. He sounds like complete ass on there. Where this one, I believe they must have recorded that whole album in the studio or something. Because Paul sounds phenomenal. And I just got this like a year ago. So if you were out there and you have like Iron Maiden, Made in Japan, full version, and you listen and Paul sounds like ass, you don't have the real full version. I do. But I'm so used to the EP, just like Cheat Trick at Budokan and whatever else I said. Um, I'm very biased because I grow up with stuff and you add extra tunes, it's just not going to have that special, you know, that special feeling that I, I get from what I grew up with. So, yeah, my, my pick is Made in Japan. And one thing I'd like to bring up as a special little added extra, and I can see it in your background because I can see your apartment, uh, an album that is very great we didn't mention, but is quintessential. Uh, a lot of people like, eh, whatever. Frampton comes a lot. Oh, shit. I was just listening to that today. It is a phenomenal album, people. Seriously. The whole album is incredible. I also want to throw in, uh, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, The Song Remains the Same, but I love the version of No Quarter on there. True, true. I'm surprised that wasn't on either of our lists. But you know you know what, dude? I really love how The West was won even more. That, I do, too. That's a I great, too. great live. You know, different shows, but... Shit. Even it, BBC Sessions. By BBC someone. Sessions is amazing. Also, the Beatles BBC Sessions. That's also great. Awesome. You know, I mean, there's a lot of live albums that didn't make the cut. Look, Ozzy Osbourne's Tribute. Yeah, the, I'm the, surprised. I thought for sure that would be on yours. Actually, I liked Ozzy Osbourne Live more, which was released like a couple years ago. I don't know if you're know, aware of that one. It was actually a bonus disc on that. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually enjoy that one more than Tribute. I love Tribute, but I enjoyed right. That one has a better vibe. Right. Uh, I, no, no, I, I, I agree. That was, that was one of my picks of the week, actually, many episodes ago. That was one of my picks of the week. Um, oh, Almond Brothers in, 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 at, uh, oh, at the Fillmore. Fillmore. That's oh. a phenomenal live album. But I, and I was surprised. I thought that might be on your list. No, you know, it, it was all I'm telling you, everything. No. everything. Oh, my God. Whip, whipping Post on yeah, that album. That's the best oh. version of Whipping Post. Holy fucking shit. But uh, we, we hope we spark some interest in you guys and you go and check this shit out. We got to go. We're running out of time. We got to go to Fan of the Week, which is uh, Fan of the Week is Vincent and I, I probably mispronounced your name, Kavanaugh or Kavanaugh. But anyway, he's from L.A. Big fan of the show. He's added so much to the fucking Facebook page. He's always posting. This guy's kind of a mover and shaker. He's got his picture with everybody. He's always posting it. He's at all these awesome shows. He's also a musician himself. And a real good dude. So Vincent Cavanaugh, or Cavanaugh, however the fuck you pronounce that shit, you are our fan of the week. Hell yeah, Vincent. And unlike Vinny Vincent, I hope you're always with us. There you go. All right, let me run through this shit real quick. Of course, you got to check us out on that metal station. Airs us twice a week. Uh, Sundays at 12 p.m. Eastern. And Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're also on that indie station Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. And, and, and Mike Tyler, Mike, the last couple weeks, it's hard because I get up at like fucking 5:30 every day, so it's hard for me to stay up for Mike Tyler's show. But I've been doing it the last couple weeks, and he played. Uh, I requested Medicine Man, and he played it for me last night by Pantera. 
And, uh, man, Mike Tyler is doing amazing. Oh, yeah, I love his show. But the th unfortunately, I'm not home for it. But there was one night I was home, and I, and I love oh, it. Man. Oh, yeah, and Scott Green told me his numbers are through the roof. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. Let me ask you. Is Mike Tyler only on once a week? No. All no. right, cool. What, what other day? He has the Friday show that is... Yeah, that's the one I heard. Uh, yeah, it, it's like one... One to four Eastern Standard Time, okay, and then and where he mixes, he plays all kinds of different metal. But then he has a show on Tuesdays that is a straight up thrash show. So also check out our Amazon link that's on the Podbean page, also the YouTube page, which unfortunately you just put up another episode that uh, was getting banned. No, what happened was a lot of people couldn't see it on their phones, but if you watch it on your computer, you can see it. Fun. Okay. I, I have seen, I, I used to deal with that before you and me got together. I would try to watch shit on my phone and I couldn't. And then when I go home on my computer, so check that out. You know, you everybody out there, stop with your fucking phones. Enjoy it in a bigger screen, you fucks. Thank you. Well, no, I, I, but some people can't wait. I used to be like that. As soon as you posted it, I wanted to watch it, but I couldn't. When it but comes yeah. to when it comes to the podcast, I understand to listen on your phone because it's audio. But video, get get a bigger screen, man. Fuck the phone. The phone, you don't get the full effect. Right. So I mean, if, really, you're gonna get on your phone and punch up like fucking porn tube and jack off to that little image, man. You want to see like a huge gallon go on a chick's face, man? Thank you. Well, enough about your mother. If you can't see it on your phone, check it out on your home computer. Uh, also, come to the Facebook page. Man, the Facebook page is amazing. Uh, we've got over 1,100 people now on the Facebook page, what the man. Fuck? It, what? You know, let, wait a second, Ian. I got, I got something to say. Okay. All you motherfuckers on that Facebook page, that 1,100. What's up, dude? Why don't you join my Almost Human 56? That's where it all started from. I don't have that many people there. You should also join Almost Human 56. I am talking to the people on the Facebook page already. Now the people that are not on the Facebook page, yeah, please come on, join our uh, join the combat page. Uh, I I agree. I, I love the Almost Human page. That's where we, we first hooked up was on that page. Exactly. If it wasn't for the Almost Human page, you wouldn't be hearing us right now. That's right, because I sent you a message through uh, the, the Black Sabbath page, and you never answered. <laughs> I never I never saw it. Check us out on Podbean. If you go to the Podbean link. Uh, on the right side of the page is all the links to the Facebook, the YouTube, uh, to Thrash or Die, to Combat, to That Metal Station, the Indie Authority, most important, the Amazon link. It's all on there, so check that out. Also, there's a lot of friends of the podcast that help us out, that support us, that, that mention us, so I want to mention them. The Decibel Geek Podcast, The Rock Show with Joe and Gully, Mars Attacks gotta check that shit out because i'm gonna guest on that show soon the great kid mills and the kiss room check that shit out podcast yeah podcast and uh kiss uh kiss through science theater another great podcast check all those out they're all quality shows they're all friends of our shows that promote us and we do likewise with them we hope you enjoyed this fucking episode and if you did and we know you did Come back next week because you want to talk about topical guests. I got uh, some. Here we go again. Oh, oh no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Ian. Let me hold my nose because I hate the smell of bullshit. 
No, no, no. We're gonna get this guy before he goes to the clinker. I've got this mm-hmm. shit locked up. Next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know who we got? Of Mr. Course. Subway. Oh. Jared Fogle is gonna join us. Alright. While we while we talk about the Marilyn Manson EP smells like children. Oh, that that, that makes sense. There you go. Well, we could have we could have used some Dave Holland era Judas Priest too. Well, you never know. Who or or Gene that. Simmons' son. Nah, I'm just joking. That's not proven yet. <laughs> Either way, somebody's fucking some little kid next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hey oh.